We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you beautiful beings and my lovely friends. Thanks for being here with us for a little while on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. Relationships, yes. I think they're the most important thing in the world. And one of the hardest things about being human is losing a relationship with someone we love when they die. But do we really have to lose the relationship? And are they really gone? Are they really dead? I recently read a book entitled Answers About the Afterlife. A private investigator's 15-year research unlocks the mysteries of life after death. I found the information in this book enlightening, thought-provoking, comforting, and quite frankly, profound. So today we have the privilege of being with the author, Bob Olson. Bob is a private investigator, detective, and former skeptic about life after life. After his intensive research, he now offers science-based answers about death, dying, reincarnation, spirits, reincarnation, oh, I said that, I guess we keep reincarnating, near-death experiences, deathbed visitations, and much more. His new book, Answers About the Afterlife, presents thoughtful, serious, and practical answers to nearly 200 of the most commonly asked questions about these topics. Bob is also the founder of bestpsychicmediums.com, bestpsychdirector.com, and the host of afterlifetv.com. He also has a course for mediums at psychicmediumworkshop.com. So, Bob Olson, thanks for being here today with us on Journey to Center. Oh, it's my pleasure, Tammy. Thank you so much. This is, uh, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. It really is. So, you were a private investigator. What did you use to investigate before this became, it seems, your passion, your purpose, et cetera? <laughs> uh, you know, right. I started investigating, I started doing what a lot of people you might, you've seen it on TV, we call them domestic cases, where I would follow, follow cheating spouses around, or allegedly cheating spouses around. Um, that was not as exciting as it looks on TV. I ended up uh, doing criminal uh, cases, and in that case, since the police are trying to put alleged criminals in jail, it would be their defense attorneys who would then call me up to investigate it. Um, from a whatever another angle, and um, they would think, <laughs> according to the lawyers, a, a less biased per- perspective, uh, do the investigation to see if perhaps they were innocent, and we could help them uh, get a fair trial. I le- I still wasn't enjoying that because I was good at my job, and most of our clients, you know, they 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 actually were guilty, um, and so then I uh, ended up doing what's called personal injury cases. And this is where people were injured by products and, uh, you know, dangerous things, uh, such as an escalator, for instance. Uh, had a lot of escalator accidents where people, kids' hair would get caught in there, their, their shoe, uh, their sneakers would get pulled into the escalator, stuff like that. I would investigate the accident, uh, get all the witness statements, photographs of the scene and everything. And then uh, there would usually be a lawsuit against that. Uh, and the the purpose behind it was that it would um, it would force that company to to fix uh, that dangerous product 
so that other people wouldn't get hurt or they would have to take it off the market, one or the other. Well, I guess that sounds like important work, but it doesn't really sound like that much fun. It wasn't as much fun as I love. And it's a young man's <laughs> job, you know. You, you, I mean, you're meeting people at all hours of the day and night, you know, in the middle of the city, you know, getting a witness statement behind the dumpster at midnight, you know. <laughs> it's, just, it's a young man's job. <laughs> oh, man. It seems like it'd be a lot more fun to be a spiritual teacher, which I would say you are now, and you're doing quite a fine job, I would say. Never anything I expected or planned <laughs> on, but yeah, I guess it, it sort of happens that way, right? Yes. So something you talk about a lot is death. And to me, the word dead seems so final. And I don't like it, never have, never will. I think a more appropriate term, accurate term, would be transition. What are your thoughts? I feel like we just go to another frequency, but I'm willing to be wrong. You're the expert. Tell me what you think. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, it, it does. It, it's, we do go to a different frequency. And so because we're, be, we're, we're actually... Uh, beings of light or beings of energy, however you want to look at it, the, the spiritual part of us, which is um, within us as physical beings, physical bodies, when our body dies, our consciousness, our, the rest of us, our spirit leaves our body, but it, it continues to exist. Us, as we know us in terms of our personality and all that, continues to exist. But yes, it, people can't see it the way they can see our physical body because we are vibrating at a higher frequency. So as spiritual beings, we vibrate at a much higher frequency than most people um, can see or can recognize. And, and that's why, even though it's right here with us, it's not way up there in the clouds somewhere, um, the spirit world is, exists in, in the same place that we do, but at a higher frequency. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's true. And then we kind of like, we, we slow down our energy and we kind of bubble up through earth and we put on our skin suits or fur suits or tree suits and then we bubble back down and go back into the spiritual realm. And, you know, it's, it's a, an adventure. It's about having experiences. It is. And, you know, people who have had near-death experiences, they leave their body for a few minutes, they go into the spirit world, mm-hmm. and then they're usually told they have to go back. And they talk about how the, the denseness of our body, of uh, being going into that physical body, is like sort of like climbing into mud again. Um, because, mm-hmm. they're, they're, again, they're as spiritual beings going back into the body and they recognize how dense a life that we're actually living here, that it's a little bit of a struggle for them to come back. Yeah, I've done a lot of reading of, of people. It sounds like you've done much more about people that have had near death experiences. And generally, they don't want to come back. Is that oh, what no. you've found to be true, or is that not always the case? Pretty much across the board. Um, uh, most people do not, do not want to come back. And, and this is for the 85% or more that are positive experiences. Some people have negative. But, um, uh, but all the ones who have positive experiences don't want to. And usually they're told to come back. Uh, and this is people, even mothers who have young children at home, they now have a greater awareness, and they know that their children are going to be okay. They also recognize that life is is a very brief moment in eternity as as eternal spiritual beings that we are um, and so they recognize you know staying there it 's not going to affect too much you know they 're going to see their children again any moment <laughs> from their perspective there but um, some of them do choose uh, to come back because uh, they know that their lives are somehow going to affect 
other people that they already know, and so they come back for those other people. I, I have seen that happen sometimes, but mm-hmm. not because they were excited about it, because they sense a, felt a sense of purpose. Yeah, they, they still had some things they needed to do to finish, to complete, yeah. yeah, to be of service in some way. So something you say that I love on page 83, you and I are spiritual beings having a physical or human experience. That is, spirits inhabiting a physical human body. We are spirits by nature. So our spiritual essence is eternal, where our physical human bodies are temporary. When our spirit leaves our body, our bodies cease to survive, but our consciousness continues. I love that, you know, and I think it's so true. Um, So, Bob, something else I've read about a lot is that people who have near-death experiences are never afraid of death again. Most people are afraid of death, but when they have that kind of, going between the world's experience, then they're like, I'm no longer afraid. In fact, I look forward to it. Is that something you found in your research and studies? It is, yeah. And, and the one thing that they gain is, is they no longer fear death, which so many mm-hmm. people do. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, in, in a sense, they look forward to the day they, what they all would describe, go back home to the spirit world, you know, uh, that sort of reunion. Um, but they're, they're not rushing it. They recognize that they're here for a reason. So not only do they not fear death, but they do feel a sense of purpose. They know they're here for a reason. They might not know what that reason is. Many of them don't, but they, they now trust that it, it exists. And so they're willing to wait it out until they can get back. So it seems to me that it's much harder to be on this side of the veil and lose someone we love than actually be the one to transition to the other side of the veil. You know, the grief that we're left with here as we perceive that loved one to be gone. That to me is, is so painful. I've grieved so much for those that I've lost, even though I don't think they're really dead. It still yeah. really hurts. <laughs> it does. You know, e- even with the perspective that I have now, knowing what I know, I mean, if I were to lose someone today, I, there, I would still grieve. Um, and, and it would be, you know, a very deep and, and sincere grief that I would feel. Um, it would probably take me some time to get over it. But the reason is I would recognize that they still exist and that I would see them again. And I know that they're okay. And I know that I can talk to them because that we can just talk right out loud and I know they can hear me. I have all those things, but I still grieve the loss of their physical presence. I can't mm-hmm. hug them anymore. I can't do, and I, and I lost the companionship that I had with that per- person. I can't go have coffee or, you know, go play miniature golf or whatever. Um, and so those are the things that we still grieve, even with a greater understanding of how life and, and the afterlife work. We still, we still experience grief. Yeah. Yeah. Something I loved and I hadn't considered this before, Bob, is, um, life after life on planet earth isn't necessarily that different. It's just not as heavy. We're still hanging out with the people we're, we want to hang out with our groups and such. Can you talk a little bit more about what you've learned in regards to that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's great is in the afterlife, I mean, we can, we can be, do, and have anything that we want. So the, the wonderful thing about being a spiritual being is that we, all we need to do is imagine something, and, and it, it's our reality for that moment. And, and that includes being able to travel anywhere you want. So, you know, if you wanted to travel the world and you weren't able to as a human being, now as a spiritual being, you can certainly do that. You need, to, need only think, I want to be in Spain, and you're in Spain. And we can do the same thing by uh, watching over our loved ones. 
you know, I want to, I want to, I want to see my sister in Texas. Okay. You know, now you're in Texas watching over your sister. And in that way, you know, you can now live in the house of your dreams, perhaps the home that you couldn't afford when you, when you were here as a human being, or you can do the things that you loved to do. You know, if you loved playing golf, you can just play golf all the time. Uh, and you, you, you know, you can eat ice cream all day long and you're not going to gain any weight, you know, <laughs> all those, all, anything you can imagine. And yet at the same time, because we're spiritual beings, we don't necessarily have the cravings and the desires that we had as physical beings. So, you know, all of these things, we don't need food, we don't need shelter, you know, we don't need to wear clothing. Um, and so the things that we can have now, we don't necessarily want as much anymore because we're really just beings of light. And, uh, but as beings of light, it doesn't mean we're not growing and learning, but it's more, I guess it's more of an intellectual thing um, uh, versus a physical thing, whereas, you know, uh, in the spirit world, because that's basically what we are. We're, we're consciousness, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and and the other thing is that we don't really have the the emotional stuff, the anger, and is that accurate? We don't have the grief. It's all pretty just like awesome, isn't it? It really is, and, and you know people can get confused by that because sometimes um, mediums will uh, communicate with our loved ones in spirit, and they'll they'll sense things. I, I get a great example is. Uh, one time I was at a workshop where they teach you how to be a medium. And my wife and I went just to have the experience. This is very early in my journey. And um, uh, I w- we partnered up with uh, other students, and we would try to give a medium reading to the other person. And I couldn't do it, but the person that I was with did a great job. And he, my father came through to him, and he described my father, this is a guy, he, he was a stranger to me, so he knew all these things about my father, what he looked like, how he died, uh, even the kind of clothing he wore, what his personality was like. But then the messages that were coming through, he was saying that my father was very remorseful and regretful, you know, that he couldn't have done more for me while he was here, or the way he treated me. What was interesting, at the exact same moment that he was giving me this reading, my wife, Melissa's partner, was giving her a reading doing a very good job as well. And my father came through also to her, and he was coming through with joy and enthusiasm about his love for her and how she was like his daughter and and how much he enjoyed uh, life with her. So the messages were very different to each person, and people took could take that very literally, and I could have walked away from there saying, my father's not happy in the spirit world. He's very upset. He's kind of depressed, you know, about the things he, he could have done and didn't do. But that experience taught me that my father can be both of those things, and he was really just trying to convey a message to me. And so we don't want to necessarily take these readings that we have with people literally. We have to understand that a lot of times they're just metaphors for what they're trying to convey to us. I had an uncle who came through and said he was fishing. I don't believe he was really fishing in the, in the spirit world, but what that meant to me and the rest of the family members was that he loved fishing. That's what brought him peace and joy. And so by telling us that he was fishing in, in the spirit world, that showed us that he was in a good place and he was happy. He was doing what he loved. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, and you bring up a really good point. You know, it's like I feel like if we're going to a medium or a psychic medium, 
um, it's the message they're getting is going through their human filter. And we have to be discerning. We have to cherry pick. We can't just give our power away and take everything they say as like etched in stone. Um, isn't that accurate? Very accurate. I, it's a concern of mine. You know, in one way, I want everybody to have a medium experience because it, 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 it's amazing what that will do to open your eyes, especially if you're skeptical. You know, you get a stranger telling you things about your loved one in spirit that they couldn't possibly know. It helps you to get over that skepticism, skepticism and know that, that life really does go on. And yet, at the same time, you've got to understand that the person who is conveying this message, they're like a telephone. And, 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 and it's like playing telephone, if you remember doing that. You know, you would say something to somebody and it would, everybody would whisper this around the circle. And by the time it got to the other side, it was a completely different message. And so it is. It's going through the filter of the media. The message is going through a filter of the medium's beliefs and experiences and education, all these things. And, and sometimes it'll, the message will get a little bit mixed up, a little distorted as a result of that. So you kind of have to really be discerning, like you said, when you get a reading with a medium. Right. And, and you do address in your book how to find a good medium. Can you give us some suggestions now about how we know if somebody's legitimate and really talented or not? Well, you know, it, it, and it's very difficult for people. I mean, when I first started off, I, I, I didn't know either. It was through experience that I ended up recognizing what made a good medium versus a, a bad one. But um, I really, the best thing that I can recommend is that they, they get a referral from people you trust, you know. So you mentioned earlier, at bestpsychicmediums.com and bestpsychicdirectory.com. Those are places you can find. But even better than that is if you have a friend who you trust, and you, you have a lot in common with, and if they went to, and they've had a few readings with a medium, that, and they absolutely loved it, and they can tell you for sure that they felt like this person was legitimate because they didn't give them any clues away to them, and they can tell you all the evidence that came through in their reading, that might be the best way to start off. And, 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 but even if you end up, eventually you end up with a bad reading, I look at that, I've had bad readings, and I look at that as, a stepping stone in my own spiritual journey. Don't look at that as the worst thing that could possibly happen because now you have something to compare a good reading to. <laughs> and it is, it's just part of your journey. Okay, you had a bad reading, now you know what a bad reading is like. And then when you have a good reading, now you'll be able to compare the two and you'll really appreciate the good reading for what it is. Right. It's all just experiences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, is there evidence? You know, you talk about past lives and reincarnation. That's something you've researched, correct? Yeah. Is there any evidence? I love this subject. I'm a past life regressionist, so I love, love, love this. Well, there you go. So, so the first bit of evidence I found was when I had uh, a reading with a medium. And I, I, then I started testing a whole bunch of mediums to see what was possible with mediums as I, as I first started going on. But my next experience that I wanted to have after having tested mediums for all sorts of different ways was I heard about people who had had past life regression. And I still was pretty skeptical about that. That's what happens. You, you can get to a point where, okay, you, I'm not only a knower, a believer, but I'm a knower. I know that there are people in this world who can communicate with spirits. I'm beyond that now. But what's the next step? Oh, Past life regressions, I, here I was still a skeptic. And as a skeptic, though, I, because I had made this commitment to investigate life after death, I said, I'm going to go have the experience for myself and see. 
And I went and I had this amazing experience that my first, my first regression was um, as a, a guy from 1643. His name was George. He was a sheep farmer in a Celtic land. I can still feel what it felt like to be in his body. He was this big, big, big burly guy. He had hair all over his body. <laughs> and, and he just is a heart, huge heart. And and he had all kinds of friends, and he was a leader in his community in a way. But he he wasn't the brightest guy, you know. He he was just you know he was the heart. And and what happened was uh, in this regression that I had, uh, we had just won a battle. I say we because that's I felt like I was him. We had just won this battle with the English who were trying to take over our lands, and we were going to celebrate the fact that we had won this battle. And I was in celebratory gear. I was wearing this weird weird uniform and but I knew somehow during the regression that this was not real battle uniform it was celebratory and we were having a parade and we started to have the parade and that's all of a sudden during this parade the English had come back and they ambushed us and they killed all kinds of innocent people and I wasn't able to save them all and long story short I ended up for the next 20 years not being able to forgive myself for this and I lived in a 20-year depression as a result of it. And by the end of the regression, what I learned as a lesson from all it, in looking back at my life as George, I recognized that I don't have the responsibility for other people's lives that I once thought that I did. And so that was the first lesson. And, and so I wasn't able to save all these people because it wasn't necessarily my place to save them all. People die, and it's, I'm not God. I don't make those choices. And the second thing was a lesson about self-forgiveness, that because I was not able to forgive myself, therefore my wife lost her husband and my son lost a father because I lived in a depression for 20 years as they were getting older. And that was something that when I went back to the spirit world, I, I had serious regrets about. But it was a great lesson for me, and I learned it in this lifetime so that I could I could use that that lesson while I was living um, now. Oh, yeah. You write about the power of forgiveness and how it really is relieving ourselves of suffering so that we can go higher in that vibration of love. I think that's so powerful. And really, it kind of boils it all down to the essence of, um, I think, the human experience, forgiving others and then forgiving ourselves, relinquishing that that shame and that guilt so that we can yeah. get free because we do have a tendency sometimes to take over responsibility. We are not God. No, exactly. And I think so many of us, you know, we try to be so controlling in our life and what causes us to want to be controlling is fear. So uh-huh. The more fear we have, the more we try yes. to control life. And, and, and if we feel responsible, I mean, this is what happens with a lot of parents who lose their children. You know, they feel as though they had, they, they were responsible and, they keep questioning if I had only done this or not done that or what, you know, I maybe could have saved that person's life. My experience with that is that, no, that, 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 you know, your child was going to die, might not have been on that day, but your child was going to die young. That was the plan of your child's soul to come here and have a short lifetime. And you, the best way to look at it, I'm not saying this is easy, but the best way to look at it is to look at the gift that you had in those few years that you had with your child. And look at that as a gift, recognizing that there wasn't lost potential, 
what we all say when someone dies young, oh, so much lost potential. No, there was never any plan for that potential. The plan was that the child was going to live a short time, whether that be, you know, five years old or 25 years old. Um, that was the plan. And, and no matter how much responsibility you took, you can't control that ultimate soul's plan. Uh, that is powerful, what you just said. And, and it isn't easy, but I do think it's truth. Yeah, Which I exactly. find comforting. Well, it is, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, I think, again, if you're a parent, and I'm not, so I can't tell you what that's like. I, I know it's a horrible experience. Um, I, uh, but if you're a parent, you're going to be in different stages of it. So, you know, this is one of those books, you know, Answers About the Afterlife, one of those books where you can read several times and you'll get some, something different out of it each time, you, you, you know, if you're grieving the loss of a loved one. And uh, because you're, we're, all, we're all going through stages. You know, I'm going through stages. You're going through stages, Tammy. Right. And we're growing along the way. And we'll learn new lessons from the same experiences or for the same product, like a book, um, at, uh, by looking at it at different times of our life. So true. And that's what it's about, learning our lessons, uh, allowing our soul to experience and expand. And if that's something you're interested in, my listeners, get his book, Answers About the Afterlife. You can go to his website, bobolson.com or afterlifetv.com. A wealth of resources. Bob, I enjoy you so much. I would love to have you back anytime you want to come back. <laughs> well, thank you, Tammy. I, I, I had so much fun doing this, and, and it feels so meaningful. Yeah, you asked such great questions, so I'd love to come back again, and I, I'm really grateful for you having me here today. Yeah, this was amazing. And, and to my listeners, if, if you want to get a hold of me, I would love to continue the conversation, TammyBPhD.com. Um, who would you like me to talk to and what about? Do you have a recommendation? Do you, do you have a question? Um, this really is to me about heart connections and conversation and just experiencing this uh, whole adventure, this human adventure together. So thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you, Bob. I loved this time together and Nate, my wonderful producer. So take good care of yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Cultivate compassion for yourself. This human journey, it's, it's not easy. So God bless you. Love from my heart to yours. Bye for now. <laughs>